You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we get into tonight's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members. You can also listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. A tough loss this weekend for the Panthers hosting the Eagles on Sunday. It was a disappointing one. The Panthers led 15-6 to at halftime. They could not hold on. They would score three points the rest of the way. Philly uproots Carolina at home, 21-18. Bryson, let's bring you in here. What went wrong in this one? There was a lot. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Um, There was a lot that went wrong. Uh, It seems like the Panthers' issues are definitely coming in the second half of the game, the third quarter specifically, going into the fourth quarter. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on at halftime. Uh, what Matt Rule saying in the locker room? What's what's happening? It seems like they're just getting out coached in the second half when the opposing teams go in to make adjustments at halftime. Seems like every game this year, the opposing coaches have made better adjustments than our coaches have, and um, that is a major issue uh, that has to be addressed. Um, one thing that I do not like what I'm seeing from Matt Rule is his cowardness when it comes to taking chances when I say that I mean he doesn't go for it on fourth down rarely goes for it on fourth down um they they tout that they're this analytical team and that they're, they're gonna they're gonna go on analytics and 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 stuff like that but they're punting from the they did that fake field goal punt that he he was so proud of like yeah, like that that, was, that, that 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 lost me there too I was very confused by that yeah like like he was he was so proud of that like like that was an accomplishment but you should have kicked the field goal there at least or went for it. Like punting it. Well, it failed yeah. anyway. I mean, it, yeah. they were, they wanted to get it within the 10 yard line. It was a touchback anyway. So that one didn't work at all. Yeah. And um, Charlton's been struggling big time. That's another issue that we'll have to get into, but Charlton is not it at punter. Um, and, and, and the, I mean, I think I saw a stat earlier on Twitter that, I mean, the Panthers rank like 23rd in the league. Um, when the defense gets on the field for opposing field posi- uh, field position, and the defense is still playing up to you know the, yeah. the way that they're playing, so um, the punter is, is is doing the defense no no favors at all. But um, but I think the main issue from Sunday uh, to get into it is the offensive line. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I I want I want to pose this for you because I know you were. You're a big advocate of getting Moten on the left side. I just want to know what your opinion was of him. What did you see from Moten at left tackle? Do you think do you think this is, you know, his position moving forward? Or do they slide Cam Irving back? I just want to know your thoughts. Well, I, I thought Moten played played well at left tackle. You know, he was the highest graded uh, offensive lineman on the team. I think he graded out a 77.2 from pro football focus uh, at left tackle. He didn't look comfortable at left tackle, but he's definitely the best that's the best play we've seen from that position in a long time. I think um, at left tackle uh, from Moten there. Uh, I prefer him at right tackle. I, w- I will say that. I think, I mean, we, we got to look and it is what it is. Uh, I think I do prefer him at right tackle. And then I don't know why you don't play the highest graded left tackle in college football history. My pro football focus at left tackle. Uh, Cause that's mm-hmm. what Brady Christensen was the highest graded. Yeah. He, he, I think he allowed like one sack throughout his whole career, something crazy like that. So 
Um, I don't, I don't get what the deal is with it, with this coaching staff being hesitant to play him at his position that he's been playing since high school, but they, they, they don't feel comfortable with him at left tackle. And it's something that's very infuriating for us fans. And uh, I talk about it on Twitter all the time. Like, just do it. If he pl- doesn't play well at left tackle, you can pull him, give him a chance to show what he's got. And it's not like once you start him at left tackle, he has to play the whole game at left tackle. Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I don't understand that at all. Um, what did you think of Moten at left tackle? I didn't think he was that bad. I know a lot of people, and he uh, he didn't look uh, or he didn't look comfortable. I, I I agree with you there. But he only gave up two pressures. I, th- I think he should be still the right tackle. I agree with you. I think Christensen, if they're going to do anything, is slide him to left. But I feel like now that they went with Christensen at right, it's going to be hard for them to switch him to left. And people maybe say, well, not really. But I just feel like they're going to – if they would stick with this lineup, I think he's going to stay at left. I don't think they're going to flip that, um, which I know is going to – piss off a lot of people, but, um, yeah, I thought, I thought Moten did all right. Um, he looked out of sorts on some plays. Mm-hmm. He definitely, I mean, of course that's going to show though. I mean, the guy's played his entire career at right tackle. So it's going to take him some time in game reps to get comfortable there. Um, I think if Cam Irving is healthy, I do think Matt rule likes him. And I think you'd see Moten slide back to right. Irving at left. I know people aren't going to like that, but what I, is there to like about Cam Irving? What does ask that, Matt Rule that about yeah. Matt Rule, man? I'm just Cam Irving must that. be doing some nasty shit in that locker room to Matt Rule to be able to keep playing left tackle and get the support. Yeah, Cam Irving had arguably his worst game versus the Cowboys. I I feel like it's hard to go back to him, but I just get this sense that Matt Rule still likes him as the best option there is I don't know we'll see maybe I'm wrong on that that's just what I get a sense of I thought Christensen he struggled I mean Mm -hmm. he's that I that I thought he would be a little bit better there um and maybe if he got moved inside maybe he's a better guard um but But I still I'd still like to get more I'd like him to get more opportunities though because the, the other guys aren't cutting it either. So if, uh-huh. if you're going to give anyone opportunity, give the rookie so he can, you know, build on this and improve instead of, you know, giving Cam Irving, who's had dozens of shots in the NFL at all over the line and hasn't panned out. So, but let's talk about the inside a little bit too, because that, that wasn't pretty at all. That was probably arguably the worst was Dennis Daly and John Miller. They combined for 10 pressures, three sacks, according yeah. to pro football focus. Um, John Miller is just, he's not the guy. And he hasn't been right since COVID, since he got COVID early this year. Um, And I think it's finally time to, they got to give at some point Deontay Brown a chance. I don't know if this guy ain't grasping the playbook, what the hesitancy is there with not playing him. But I feel like now is the time to do it. Those John Miller and Daly looked lost out there. It looked like me and you playing offense line for the Panthers on Sunday. They were yeah. getting beat with four man pressures. They weren't even blitzing, which is ridiculous. Because yeah, all of these good teams, they'll they're gonna blitz the shit out of them moving forward. Well, and not they, if they, they don't have to. And if not they, if they don't, don't have to. to. And if they don't have to, they're not. But when they no. do blitz them, they're gonna even be more in a world of hurt because they're yeah. bringing the four worst on. play from Sunday was was the one where Hargrave. 
almost went untouched to the middle, right past Dennis Daly and sack uh, Sam Darnold uh, mm. right up the middle. I mean, that was one of the worst plays besides the block punt, which we'll get into later. But, I mean, that was just terrible, man. And John Miller has been – I mean, it, it, it's hard to say, but, like, John Miller has almost been the worst offensive lineman on, on the team, even worse than Cam Irving. Like, he, like I think you mentioned it. He hasn't been the same since he came back from, from uh, COVID. He's just – He's not it, and you you drafted a right guard in the sixth round that n- never allowed a sack in his college career at, at Alabama. Not one sack he he allowed, and he's cut his weight down. He's he's in game shape. Uh, I I just don't know why he's not getting an opportunity. You know he 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 wasn't a healthy scratch, which which is a a positive and and, and you know a step in the right direction. But he still hasn't gotten any playing time, and I. I this coaching staff just infuriates me with this offensive line, and I do not understand it. Yeah, I don't get it, too. Someone brought up a good point today that I was reading that, you know, Tom, you know, Matt Rule comes from Tom Coughlin's tree in the NFL of, and Tom Coughlin always, you know, was about the offensive line, and so was Matt Rule when he was with the Giants with the, you know, the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, so for them to, I don't want to say not take it seriously because I think they are. I think they, they've they tried different things. I think they need to still give some of these guys opportunities. And I don't know if it's an effort thing in practice. I don't know if Brown isn't grasping the playbook. There has got to be something. There has got to be a reason why he is not out on the field on Sundays because it doesn't make sense to any of us on any of the fans at all from what you mentioned with his stats in college and how he looked in preseason. So there's got to be something we don't know that is holding him back. But I think if, if now is the, if there's any time at all for him to come in, and I know I said this a couple of weeks ago that he would probably be, he would have started this last game and I was wrong on that. Now is the time because the, the guards were shit. They were terrible on Sunday. They were absolutely terrible. They were, they were the worst be- part of the line. Absolutely the worst part of the line. And we, we didn't even get to talk, and we didn't even get to this part yet is the penalties. And I, I wanted to mention this. There was three key penalties in this game. It was um in the first quarter, Hubbard had a six-yard run, and then Moten got a false start. It backed them up. The next play, Sam Darnold threw an interception to Darius Slay. It was intended for more. Mm-hmm. Third quarter, Devante, uh, Devante, Dante Jackson had an interception, and that set up Carolina pretty well. Hubbard had an 11-yard run. It brought him into Philly territory. Christensen had a holding penalty. It backed them up. Next play, Sam Darnold threw an interception again to Darius Slay intended for D.J. Moore. Uh, going further, end of the third quarter, Philly had just scored. And uh, Hubbard had an eight-yard run. Matt Paradis had a holding penalty. That backed him up. Uh, Carolina ended up getting a field goal out of that try. But that it just – it's those things happen. Those things pile up, and it just creates problems. And clearly in those two drives, you know, Hubbard had some good chunk plays, and then all of a sudden you see yellow on the field and the shit's going back. It's just – it's so frustrating um, as a fan yeah. watching that. Yeah, it, absolutely. And um, I mean, the Eagles had a couple penalties. They had they had a touchdown called back to, uh, um, you know, it, it was going both ways 
definitely on uh, on Sunday and you know to to go in at halftime up 15 to 6 and just I mean they were dominating the game like the defense was just in full control and uh to lose that game was just so inexplicably bad like I I I was like in shock after the game like it took me a couple hours to like realize we actually lost the game to the Eagles and um it was just I mean the the head coach I mean game management uh, his aggressiveness in the game, the, the, the head coach. Uh, I mean, Sam Donald throwing three interceptions, the offensive line being terrible. Like, there's a lot of issues that, that have to be addressed. Um, the Eagles are not a good team, and mm-hmm. we, we found a way to lose that game. Uh, you know, I, last episode, like, I, I was so high. Like, I was like, man, I could see him going eight and one in the next nine games or whatever <clears> the heck <throat> I said. But, like, if, if they play like they did against the Eagles, they are going to struggle every week to get a win they are going to be gritting them out um it's going to be they're going to be close with every team they play because the offensive line allowing the most pressures in the league i think that they're right at the top um giving sam Darnold no time and we see what he does under pressure um you know he he seems to to force the ball he first of all he does not like taking sacks which which is okay sometimes but he when instead of taking a sack, he will, he would rather force it and which turns into an interception um, three times on Sunday uh, than, than, than just taking the sack. Sometimes it's better to just take the sack. And uh, that's something that they're going to have to work on Sam with, but there are just so many issues that we could just go top to bottom on this team. I mean, almost on every side of the ball, even the defense had some issues on, on Sunday, um, mm-hmm. but it definitely was not their fault. Um, oh, which yeah. we're going to get into. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, we'll it was definitely that. not their fault, the, the loss, but, um, but yeah, I mean, top to bottom, there's, there's a lot of blame to go around. Yeah. It, it's all over the place. And I I'm glad you brought up Sam. We got to bring him up because he, he can't, he can't get the, to get the pass on this one. The offensive line was bad, but he wasn't, he was terrible too. Uh, the three yeah. interceptions you mentioned forcing the ball. Uh, there was, I tried to watch some of the, you know, rewatch the game and I got through about the first half of it, but there are plays where there are guys open that he's missing because he's pressing. It seemed like he was just trying to do too much. And Matt rule talked about that in his presser. Sam needs to play within the system and not press and feel like he's got to do more than he should. Yeah. Um, so that's something he's got to work on. Um, also, you know, him, him with his throws, stepping into throws, moving around in the pocket. I thought he struggled with that too on Sunday. Um, and in previous weeks, he's done a decent job with that, but for just for some reason. And again, I think this was all a culmination of the offensive line. He also didn't have help. There was a couple drops in that game. Ian Thomas had one, I believe. Um, Robbie had one, which again was a questionable throw. That was a hard one to get at. Yeah, but, that was not that was not on target. But some of those things, you know, you make a catch here or there, that might turn the tide for Sam too. So that's just something to look forward to going forward. Um, he can't do it all as well, but he struggled. He's got to be better. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So, um, so, so to be fair to Sam, though, I think that this was his first bad game as a Carolina Panther, and I don't think it was all on him. Obviously, the offensive line struggled extremely bad, to, uh, not today, Sunday. Um, with the like we mentioned, with the Eagles rushing four, and they could not handle it. Um, you know, 
Sam has no trust in this offensive line. It's easy to, it's easy to tell he doesn't have trust, um, especially with the with the inside guards. Uh, he he's he's scared. He, I mean, he doesn't know when he's going to get hit and when he's going to be able to throw the ball clean. And um, I, I think Matt Rule mentioned that like he you can't throw the ball deep when you don't trust your offensive line to to block. And mm-hmm. um, and that's that's obvious that that's the issue right now. And um, you know I, I don't think that we should put all the blame on Sam and I don't think that we are, but, uh, but I mean, Sam definitely did, did have some questionable throws and and did throw some interceptions. So not, not, uh, not all, not his fault, but definitely. I'll just say, I don't think any quarterback is going to play well behind this offensive line. I, I, I mean, maybe like two, like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, maybe that can run around and get people open. But, but yeah, I think this offensive line is just, absolute dog shit yeah they're they are terrible <laughs> that's for damn sure um sorry i'm just trying to look at some stats here quick but yeah just going like let's talk about the third quarter too because that's third quarter woes has been my uh, sticking point i feel like this whole season with this team i'm all i'm one of one of the only ones who brings it up online and I keep harping about it because I feel like it's one of the most important things of these games how Carolina does in the third quarter is going to dictate how they do in games it really is they get Mm -hmm. away with it sometimes and I think the wins mask it Mm -hmm. but they were they're one of 15 scoring in the third quarter which is god awful that's field goals and touchdowns. They scored one touchdown in the third quarter, and that's it. They've missed two field goals. They've had eight punts, and Sam has turned the ball over four times in those quarters. And they have opportunities. They, they had four chances on Sunday. They had four chances week four. And then the rest is we don't have to get into, but they are just terrible in the third quarter. And I tweeted out at halftime while I was at the game, how is Carolina going to fare in the third quarter? And they were non-existent. I was bitching the whole time, the entire third quarter, because they were terrible. And they, the offense had, like, prime opportunities. In the, mm-hmm. It's not like they were getting the ball at the 10-yard line. They got the ball at the 49 off of a turnover from Dante Jackson. They got the ball at the 45 because of the defense as well. So – for them not to put up any points when you're that, I mean, you were literally 15, 20 yards away from kicking a field goal and you couldn't even get it, get that many yards. It's pathetic. And it goes, it goes back. You said this getting out coached these coaches. And I, I, I don't blame, I think Joe Brady's been calling pretty, some pretty good plays, Yeah, but their game plan coming out of half is it's not, it's non-existent. It's not there. And it's a culmination of, you know, guys not executing penalties and stuff like that, but they got to get something going. And I don't know if it's something, this is a, you need hurry up offense out of break out of the half, but something needs to change because it's not changing and it's terrible. It really is. They are awful in the third quarter. And that is something they needed, you know, Matt rule, I know gets pressed on it almost every week about it, but they got to figure it out, man. Cause this has been a problem dating back to last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I don't know if it's a, if it's a 
that their adjustments coming out of half are predictable and that other teams know what they're going to do or if they're just not doing the right adjustments or if they're not doing any adjustments. They're just rolling with, hey, this is working. Let's just keep doing this. And then teams make the adjustments to what they're doing and what they're, and now what the Panthers are doing isn't working anymore. So um, I don't know what the hell's happening, but th- something has to change because they're the worst team in the league in the third quarter. I think that their point differential is at like minus 27 right now or something crazy like that. So um, you're, you're not going to win games. Uh, I, I hated the comment where Matt Rule said that they try to push games into the fourth quarter and make, make the last play or whatever he said. That's, that is the worst mindset to have as a head coach. You, you hope that you don't have to take the game to the fourth quarter. You hope that the game's over in the first or second quarter, that you, you're blowing them out. You're up by 21, 28. Like, you, that's not what you want to do. That shouldn't be your goal um, to push it to the fourth quarter. And the Panthers haven't been good winning close games in the past two years. So that's not a, not a good way to do it, uh, Matt Rule. But, but yeah, man, uh, ho- hopefully they can get these things figured out, um, these second-half woes, and, and um, just make some improvements. Yeah, you, t- you talked about, you know, maybe them sticking to plays and teams knowing what's going on. That kind of transitions into Robbie here because this was a talking point after the game. Robbie Anderson kind of blew up on the sidelines, was yelling at uh, one of their coaches. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, he, from what all the reports out there, is he wanted the staff to call a double move, a stutter and go um, on a route. And it happened after Steven Nelson jumped the route and picked off the pass from Darnold. After the game, Nelson said he saw the play coming because Carolina had run it before. So Bryson, I mean, who's the blame in this? Cause I can, there's, there's a combination of things you could say here and, and it's hard, it's hard to say, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. You have a problem with Robbie blowing up. What, what have you seen from Robbie? I guess this is a loaded question. Just fire away. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. You know, I, I'm, I like to see some, some fire in our players and he's mad. He's, he's getting open. Like, if you watch the all 22, Robbie is getting open. He's the, either Sam is not seeing him or Sam is overthrowing him is, has been the issue as of late. Um, and he's just mad because he, you know, he wants the ball like any other player and, and he wants to, to pull his own. He just signed the new contract. I'm sure he, he wants to show that he's worth it. And um, I think he's just frustrated with that and frustrated that, they were lining him up at this in the same position all day long and that the defense knew what he was going to do because of that. Um, they, they weren't, they didn't change where he lined up. He literally lined up at the in the same spot all game. And I, I mean, there may have been a couple plays here and there, but for the majority of the game, like 90% of the time he lined up in the slot and, and teams knew like that, like they knew the route because of it. So, um, you know, I, I understand his frustration and, and maybe he shouldn't have screamed at a coach or whatever, but, but I, you know, if I was in his situation, if, if I was a all a pro bowl caliber wide receiver, just signed a new contract, wants the ball, I probably would be yelling too, man. I, I, I can't blame him. Yeah. I have no problem with this whatsoever. Um, I feel like Robbie game in and game out is putting up the effort him and Sam just aren't gelling, which doesn't make any sense at all 
because if you came into this season, that probably be the guy you would think the mo- was going to have the most targets out of anyone with his relationship with Sam in, in New York. I just, I don't think Sam is seeing him and he's not connecting there. Robbie Anderson is open a lot. You mentioned it already. He is open on the all 22. Mm-hmm. Sam needs to find him. I don't know if he's not reading. He's not making his reads quick enough. He's just not looking his way. He needs to be better with getting him the ball. Cause we saw Robbie Anderson last year. That dude is a, he's a game changer. He can, he really, he's good when he gets the ball in his hands. He, he makes he makes stuff happen. So they need to do a better job with that. And I, I remember I was sitting next to a guy, and he was just bitching about Robbie. Why did we pay him this contract? He's terrible. And, I, and you know, when he, he can't do anything if he's not getting thrown the ball. And when he's getting thrown the ball, it's it's – it's not there. It's not accurate. So it's bad throws. They, they, Sam needs to do a better job with that. And I think, you know, going back to the original question about, you know, guys, other teams anticipating and knowing routes, it's tough to say with Joe and the play calling. We don't know. We don't know what the plays are being called, but um, it again, it goes back to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Can you call a different player? Can you call a stutter and go when Sam doesn't have enough time to wait for that. So, well, one thing I, I can see like where he's frustrated is why in the hell are we running a screen for Ian Thomas, a tight end screen for Ian that drives Thomas. Me fucking nuts, man. Why not give that to Robbie? Like Ian Thomas isn't some, some fucking burner that's going to get in the open field and score a touchdown and just burn everybody. Like, you know, they've always run that screen with Ian. I mean, this is dated back a few years too. I, I don't, I never understood why they're throwing that to 80. He's, yeah. he, he's a big fucking tight end. It's not like he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's not the slowest tight end in the world, but he is not the most athletic no. either. So no. If you're, you're going to run that to any tight end, you run it with Tremble. I was about to say like, that. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Like, that's just I, – I don't know. I don't I don't get that. Maybe they're thinking, well, they'll throw it off guard because they're not anticipating it. But those plays have not worked. No. I don't I don't understand that either. It's, it's They need bad. to draw some shit up like that for Robbie. Like, they need to get him involved like that more. Um, you know, they got DJ coming out of the backfield and – they got DJ doing all this other stuff, which, you know, DJ is more is one of the best receivers in the league. So I understand that, but you can give Robbie a couple plays here and there. Yeah, I agree. Kind of he's so good with the ball and his, his yak is, I mean, he makes guys miss. He did it last year all the time. And yeah. that was what Carolina did good with him because the Jets didn't do it. They just told Robbie to run deep and Sam would, get, you know, throw a 60 yard bomb to him. Yeah. And that's what Carolina did good last year. And now this year it's totally gotten away from him. That's, that's one thing that Teddy Bridgewater did good is he found this guy. Mm-hmm. You he what it might be a 10-yard dump off, but then he would make something, a 30-yard play out of it. So yeah, I agree. They need they need to do more with the, some of these screens and um you know drag routes across the middle, quick slants. They need to get him involved early in this next game to just they got it because he he can't just be going to more all the fucking time, and they need to get Marshall involved. I think they need to have Marshall out on the field more in yep. these three wide receiver sets because that's another thing. I, I feel like they have success when they have those three guys on the field: Anderson, Moore, and Marshall. 
And, you know, they're running out with two tight ends a lot. And I get it with the run game and stuff, but you have those guys on the field. They're going to create mismatches. Um, I think that's enough about the offense. I mean, we could talk about this the rest of the episode, like especially with all the struggles they had this weekend. But let's go to the defense. <clears throat> What'd you see from them? What'd you like? Um, they played really well. What I mean, there might have been a few things they could have worked on, but what'd you see overall? Yeah, you know, I thought for the most most majority of the game that they played really good. Uh, you know, they didn't allow the rushing yards that they allowed to the uh, Cowboys in the previous week. They fixed a lot of things that were an issue there. Um, Dante Jackson had a really good game, I thought, with a couple turnovers. Uh, he's just playing so good right now and he absolutely deserves his next contract from Carolina. They need to make sure they need to make him a priority in the offseason um to pay him because I'm I've been so impressed with him. Um, you know, I wasn't really super high on him in uh the offseason coming in um just due to his in injury history and uh <clears throat> and just his play in the past. But he's definitely stepped up this season. His um he's playing like a top 15 top 10 corner in my opinion right now um and he's he's definitely uh earned that next contract in my opinion um you know I thought Jeremy Chin played well he, he had some uh PBUs um let's see Son Reddick uh had a really good game um uh, a lot of Panthers fans do not agree with me on this but I mentioned today on Twitter, Brian Burns has to start getting home on some of these pressures. I get pressures are good, um, but I will never agree with the the sentiment that pressures are better than sacks because there's no way that a, you can still complete a pass with a pressure. If you're getting sacked, you're not completing a pass, and there's a there's a possibility for a fumble. There's uh, so much worse things that can happen when you're sacked versus a pressure. And I, I pressures are good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm glad that he's getting pressure, but he has to get home on some of these pressures because, like, last season he leads the league in pressures and he finishes with, with what, nine and a half sacks? Like, that that ratio is not very good. Um, uh, he's he's too good of a player to not be not to be able to get home on some of these pressures. And even when he does, like, when he, when he almost does get home, he we've talked about it before, he, he misses the quarterback a lot. Like, he goes high or whatever. Um, but Hassan Reddick played great. I thought, you know, the defensive line as a whole played really good. Um, the secondary played played well. But there towards the fourth quarter, like, you know, Matt Rule got a lot of heat for his comments. Um, the defense should not have given up that pass, though. I, I You know, they were on the field for a, for a lot of the game. I get that. But uh, Sam Franklin is a liability. He is, he is not it, and I'm praying um, – uh, is Justin Burst el eligible to come back this game, or is it one more game? I think it's one more. I thought it was one more. Okay. Um, the they three. need him bad. They need him bad. Sam Franklin is not good at safety. He is a liability. Um, and that's one of the players that that I was not impressed with. Um, yeah, he's so up and down. You know, he'll, he'll make a bonehead play, and then, you know, I think it was a week or two back, he'll make a nice stop. He he's he was like that last year too. I I agree. I think Burris being out. I said it. I think I said it last week. I think that was one of the keys in that loss to Dallas. Mm -hmm. uh, the safety struggled. Not Chin. Uh, Chin has been playing well. No, yeah, um, he's, he's great. But 
you know, Franklin, he needs help in the secondary when he's back there and he hasn't been the answer. Um, going back to Reddick, I thought Reddick had, again, an outstanding game. I thought he was the best player on defense besides Dante Jackson. Mm-hmm. That was one hell of a signing by Fitter and Matt Rule to bring him here that he's he's playing better than Burns. He's got, I don't know the stats. Maybe you can look it up for us. But he had two sacks in this game. I don't know what he has on the year, but he's got he's got I looked earlier in the uh, earlier today. He's tied for second in the league. He has six and a half sacks yeah. and the leader has seven and that's Miles Garrett. Yeah. And again, and this goes back to your point about Burns were finishing Reddick could have had three in that game. I think he missed yep. one where he went high. And I a lot of the I don't know if it's excitement. They get holy shit, I'm about to take out the quarterback and they go high or what, but <laughs> I agree with the Burns thing. He did that last year a lot where guys are escaping him. These mm-hmm. guys got to wrap up and bring him home because, you know, Burns gets some of those pressures in the sacks. This could be a different ball game too. So, again, I'm not saying that is I'm not blaming him at all. Burns is a hell of a player. But these guys do need to get home when the team is counting on them to make plays. Uh, I thought Keith Taylor played a lot. I mm-hmm. thought he played well which is promising, um, played a lot more than he did that last game. And that just, you know, that, that cornerback room is so freaking deep. Dante Jackson is playing best year of his career, hands yep. down, deserves a contract. And I hope they can make something work. The Fitterer and Matt Rule both said, that, you know, the signing – the signing of Stefan Gilmore ain't going to impact him. We haven't even really talked about that because that did happen after our last episode. That won't impact Dante Jackson's contract, and I hope it doesn't because I don't want to see him walk. I don't want this to be a Josh Norman thing where they're letting a good corner go. So, and honestly, I, Dante Jackson's better than Josh Norman. So that's that's just my take on it. He's he's a good tackler too, man. He's good at tackling. He's he's a freaking burner and he makes he makes interceptions he had an outstanding game I thought Boye played all right um he's starting to get you know mixed in the fold a little bit more Henderson I thought played decent too he got a lot more uh playing time as well um but yeah overall defense played they played great uh the only knock I had was that fumble in the second quarter you gotta get the touchdown there I yeah. know the safety's great. and It was. It, 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 it really turned the momentum in that game, at least for the first half. But they had three, four guys who touched that ball before it went out of the end zone. They practiced those drills in training camp. So they, they got to they they score the touchdown on that. Um, but, again, this game was not on the defense whatsoever. They kept, if anything, they kept them in this game, kept it low. They played outstanding. And it's good to know that Carolina has a defense. Like again, they're they're for real. They, you know, they gave up some plays versus Dallas, respectively. So Dallas is a good team, but they bounced back after a bad game last week and played well. And now it's going to be a test for the offense. Can Sam Darnold and this offense bounce back after a bad game? Because last year Teddy Bridgewater it spiraled. He had a bad game and then a bad game and a bad game. Can Sam Darnold 
you know, fight back and, you know, come up with a victory this weekend. And we'll talk about that later. Um, well, I got a question for you just uh, in regards, cause you were at the game. Um, I was not at the game. Um, what was it like in the stadium um, fans wise? You, I, I heard you mentioned before, but just for the people out there, um, what was the ratio of Eagles fans to Panthers fans? And, and did you feel um, there were too many? Oh man, you know, I you know where I stand on this. I was actually, I was talking to um, a ticket person today because I was having some game game pass issues because they give Panthers, they give their PSL owners a game pass for the NFL. And I, I've been having some issues with my login. So I was, I was texting the ticket, a uh, ticket executive with the Panthers. And they asked me, how, how's the, how's the tickets going so far? And I said, good, but honestly, there was way too many damn Eagles fans on Sunday. It was a glorified home game. That's literally what I told her. And she said, yeah, there was a lot of Eagles fans. We bet we're trying to change that. That, that was her exact words. So yeah, it, it was a glorified home game. This was the most, I've been to all the home games this year. You've been to a couple. This was the most away fans at a game this year by far. I thought it was pretty split. I would say there was a, maybe a little bit more Panthers fans than them, but it was that close. It, it was ridiculous. It really was. There was green everywhere. And again, I'm, I sit on the opposing team side. So again, I don't know what was on the opposite side of the stadium, but we were surrounded. We really were. And when, and why I say there was so many is because when there was, you know, they had, they they had this Eagles chant, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, Eagles, whatever their stupid ass chant is. Um, When they were doing that in the third quarter, when you could tell the momentum was starting to turn a little bit, that was comparable to any chant that we had Damn. as fans. And then when the fourth quarter came and say, and the offense and Sam Darnold was on the field on third down, it was fucking loud. And they, it was, it was from them. It wasn't from like dipshit Panther fans cheering on third down in the offense. <laughs> this was Eagles fans. And it was, it was freaking loud. Um, I know on TV, like uh, when Jalen hurt, when they scored the touchdown to go ahead, it sounded like they were they were in Philadelphia because it was so loud on the TV that like from cheers of of Eagles fans cheering for for that touchdown. So um, yeah, th- that's just that's just what I heard on TV, man. It, that's just embarrassing. It really is. It is. And it's so. I talked about this before, but it's so weird for me as a fan because I I came from Wisconsin and Green Bay and Lambeau Field. You ne- you never get this. Like it's twenty four seven constant. Go Paco all the time. Like you rare, you rarely hear a peep from the opposing team. So when I first came to a Carolina Panthers game, even when I, my first game, when they played the saints, it was just weird to me to see so many fans of the opposing team. And I, I think it's a combination of factors. The team isn't very good. So I get that there, there's not, there's when the team is good, there's more fans there, but they still even have a problem. I think the other I think there's the other two things is Carolina became a team late, mm-hmm. you know, in the 90s. A lot of these teams have been established for decades. So that's another that's another fault. And then the other one is whether anyone likes to admit this or not, and I'm part of this, I'm part of the statistic on this. North Carolina is a transplant state, whether North Carolinians who have been here 
all their life want to admit it or not. There are a lot of people who have moved from a different state here later in their life. I'm one of them. And that is another problem because you have a lot of fans from New York and Pittsburgh who have moved down here or in Pennsylvania who have moved down here and they still are fans of their teams from up there. And then they're like, shit, my team's playing this weekend. And I don't blame them. If I was an Eagles fan that lived here, I'd be going to the game too. Like it's not their fault. So I think, you know, the team needs to do a better job and put a better product on the field, obviously. I think the things that they're doing of, you know, getting fans more involved and creating, you know, these having, you know, the roaring riot, I think that helps of building the fan base up and, you know, getting fans to stand up during the game. I think that's going to help, but they're also, you know, through the years and you have, you know, a, a team that's been decades in the May, or I mean, decades have decades of a history. I think that will help too, but it's tough, man. It really is. Cause I've seen people that said in 2015, it was even a problem when they were good with mm-hmm. Cam Newton. And I think Cam Newton and Ron Rivera and that whole team, you know, those couple of years helped, you know, build that up more, but yeah, and it's, it's terrible. And I, on Sunday, I, I mean, I'm trying – I don't stand up for every play, but I was trying to, you know, halfway through the game and even in the second quarter. And I'm – every time I stand up, I'm turning around trying to, you know, wave to Panthers fans, get your ass up and cheer. And it's like pulling fucking teeth, dude. It, it really is. Yeah, people are lazy, You can lazy, tell from my voice that I'm a little hoarse still today because um, I'm yelling the whole game. But, yeah, it's – that game on Sunday, it was it it was embarrassing. It really was with how many fans Eagles. Yeah, they they got to do something to change that. Like I get, you know, there are fans here that that want to watch their team of a of opponents, but like most of those fans in that stadium on Sunday were not from North Carolina, and they they came from where they live up north and came to that game, and that's just unacceptable to have almost a 50-50 ratio of opposing. I mean, it's like the damn Chargers, like the L.A. Chargers. Like, they don't have any home games because they have no – there's, like, no fans for them in L.A. Like, they were the San Diego Chargers, and they moved to L.A. There's two teams in L.A., and they just can't get fans out, like, like right now. But, I mean, that's just pitiful. It really is. Like, it's so embarrassing. Um, The team, I'm sure, feels feels that, Um, especially um, last weekend in the fourth quarter when it sounded like the Eagles were at a home game. And, and like you mentioned, when... Yeah, I would say the ratio was... I wouldn't say 50-50. I would say 55-45, something like that. But it was it was enough to notice. It really was. Yeah. It was... That's just terrible. Crazy. It, it's, it's insane. Um, and, and hopefully they fix that. I think, you know, some of the things they're doing now is helping you know bang your seats and stuff like that i think more people are catching on to that um and evil even the eagles fans they were getting pissed at you could tell they were getting pissed at that because towards the end of the game when they were starting to do good they were doing it themselves to just piss off panthers fans so as a dig at them or as a dig for us but yeah it's something to keep an eye on hopefully they don't have an issue with that this weekend with minnesota coming to town but let's before we talk about that game, let's just talk about the special teams quick here before we preview that game. Actually, we got a lot. We still got a lot to talk about. I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah, we talked about the punt. The punt team needs to be better at protecting with Charlton. Charlton has struggled, but the punt team, you know, and they need to block for him too. That, that I don't know who blocked that field goal, but they came free and just, <laughs> I mean, you could tell it was coming. So that's something they got to work on. I wanted to give a shout out to Zane Gonzalez. I thought, I think he's been decent for them. Yeah. They brought him in to kick and be a guarantee make at 30 and 40 yard field goals. And he's been that so far. He's six of eight. He missed a 55 yarder versus the saints, which was blocked. And he missed a 54 yarder in Dallas. Otherwise he's made all of his kicks and he's 10 for 11 on extra points. And he's even booming the ball out of the end zone now too. So I feel like he's been, you know, decent up to this point. And I think, Hopefully Matt rule gives him some more opportunities. And I know you wanted to rant a little bit about that uh, punt he had, because he was channeling his inner Charlton on that one play. (laughs) Yeah. That fake field goal punt was just another embarrassing thing from Sunday. Like uh, I think it was, it would have been like a 42 yard field goal and and they punted. um, And then the punt wasn't good. So, so yeah, that, that was just stupid, but yeah, I think Zane is making the most of his uh, opportunity for sure. I think he's definitely an improvement over Joey Sly. Um, He may not have the kicking power that Joey Sly had, but he's more accurate. I think we've seen that just the short time he's, he's been here. Um, And I, you know, I think he's a a solid choice for Carolina to go forward right now um, in the kicking game, then possibly like an off season look to uh, make an improvement there. But um but, yeah, shout out to him. Um, I think the special teams as a whole, though, needs to get better. Um, you know, Erickson had a pretty good game, I thought, too. Alex Eric- Erickson, he had a couple good returns, um, punt punt returns and kick returns. Um, yeah, did you know that he's a former Badger? I didn't know that at all. Oh, that I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that either. And they pull, they pull up who's from colleges. And now that I think about it, I do remember an air, a wide receiver Erickson on their team and sure shit. It was him. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, but yeah I thought I, he's been, a, I think he's been pretty good. He's good returner. He gets yeah. you 10, 15 yards on a punt and a kick return. And so. they got, they got him for, for free off the, off of, uh, he wasn't even on a team. I, I, he was just a free agent. Uh, he wasn't even on a practice squad or anything, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I think Chase Blackbird needs to, to do something. I mean, that block punt in the third quarter, totally changed the game that was the turning point in my opinion and um that's just unacceptable it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy it was just a simple stunt in the and then the offensive line wide open gap down the middle easy easy as a block punt of all time uh it's just unacceptable and this is something that we've seen for ever since chase blackburn's been the the special teams coach they've struggled with protecting on kicks and punts they have struggled with that, and it's been mentioned before it, under Ron Rivera, under Matt Rule. They have to work on that, and it, it has not improved. And um, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Chase Blackburn. I think that he's he's overstayed his welcome as a special teams coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, and I I think it's time for them to move on. And I think it it may happen if something like that happens again. I don't. I think he's skating on thin ice. No, I agree. I think. I think you continue to see this. They're, they're going to have to make changes somewhere. So let's go to Matt Rule's presser because this has been the talk over the last day and day or so, actually about a day now. 
Matt Rule, he was one of the you know biggest talkers was him calling out the defense. He said, I know a lot of the questions will be about offense, but if you lead in if you have a lead in the fourth quarter with players we have on defense, we should never lose. We should never lose. Bryce and a lot of fans were upset at this. Should Matt Rule have called out the defense? No, I don't think so, but I don't think he's he's wrong either. So um, the offense did no favors for the defense. I think that's pretty clear, and I think he, he mentioned that. Like, obviously the defense played well, um, but they kind of folded in the fourth quarter a little bit, and I don't know if it was because they were on the field so much. It probably definitely had a, uh, you know, a factor in it, but you shouldn't give up a 56-yard pass to Quez Watkins. You shouldn't allow a touchdown um, at the end of the game like like they did. Uh, you know, I I think they definitely folded um, in the fourth quarter, and I can see where Matt Rule is coming from. But to not – I don't know if he was placing blame on the defense for the for the loss per se um, I, because he, he did earlier in the presser mentioned that, you know, Sam needs to make these throws. Sam needs, needs not – well, he says quarterback. He's not saying Sam, which is kind of interesting. But um, the quarterback needs to make the th- these throws. Um, the quarterback needs to not turn the ball over. But um, for him to mention the defense in the way that he did, I can see why he did it. Um, but it was definitely not the defense's fault why we lost, and I think that's pretty clear. But, but yeah, I, I you know, I really don't have any problem with it. Uh, I thought it was a stupid comment, uh, you know, but – um, I think as a head, him being a head coach, I could see why he, he made that comment. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm toward, I've been thinking about this the last couple hours here. Matt Rule has been consistent about when a player makes a play, he's done it before, and I'm trying to point to times he's done it. I believe it was Tremble where, you know, Tremble made his first touchdown and someone asked him about it. He said, yeah, but did you see he didn't make the block on this play? So Matt Rule has, I feel like, consistently called out, you know, when you have a good game, there's always things you need to work on. And I feel like that was one of the times he did it and it may have come off as, well, you know, offense is getting a lot of flack. The defense shouldn't have lost this game for us. And he didn't say that. I shouldn't say that, but that the defense should have never let the Eagles come back in this game, basically. So for his defense, I I don't know. I don't know if I had an issue with it, really. I don't. Because if you listen to that press conference, he mentioned the offensive line a shit ton. Yep. He talked about a majority of that press conference. He did talk about Sam and how and that he didn't play well. And he talked to, and he also mentioned Robbie and said he should have made a couple catches. And he, he, you know, so he, I don't, I feel like fans were like, yeah, he never talked about the offense. That's bullshit. He talked about the offense line majority of that press conference. And he was asked about a majority of their press conference. I just think people picked out that one sot and it sounded, you know, it sounded like, you know, the defense played a big role in why they lost. And I, I feel like people took that the wrong way. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I want to say, I don't think they were the problem at all. I think they played outstanding. Again, there was a few miscues they could have had late in the game. They had a lot. Eagles were running a lot of outside runs and Carolina. You, it looked like they were going to set the edge 
you know, and, and contain them inside. And the, the running backs are just run right around at the outside. They're almost tiptoe on the sideline and they get through. And I'm like, and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, what the hell is going like these linebackers or whoever's role that is to get over there and seal that. That it happened like two or three times in a row where they just they you know who it was? You know who it was that was the who kept doing that? Who was it? I don't I don't Brian Burns. Brian Burns' job in that game was to seal the edge. And that's why he didn't have so many sacks and stuff. It was the game plan. A lot of it was a factor of the game plan. But there, specifically at the end of the game, I remember watching Brian Burns. I think it was twice. He, he, he was supposed to set the edge, not let a run bounce out to the outside or whatever. And he whiffed on uh, on um, Gainwell or, or Sanders, whoever it was. Or um, Yeah, yeah, those, those are the running backs. Um, and he just whiffed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's such a, a good athlete. He's so fast. He's so strong. I don't know what was going on. I'm sure he was exhausted. It was the fourth quarter, and the offense put them on the field way too much. But, you know, you have to dig in. You're, you're an NFL player, and you have to make those plays if you want to win in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it was hard for – it's hard. I know – and, I again, I try to watch the games back because it's when you're at the games, it's harder to see things – than what you do when you're when you're at home on watching on TV. So it's hard. For my perspective, I felt like the linebackers were having a hard time getting over and containing the outside. And they were getting past some of those guys. So again, I, I would like to go back just to look at that. But that was one thing I noticed. And then I brought it up before. When you have a mishap like the Eagles did and you have the ball in the end zone, you got to get that touchdown. It cannot be a safety. That that was a big play. Um, but other all, all that aside, the defense played well. They did enough. They did their job. The offense was terrible. So yep. it is what it is. Just a couple 100%. housekeeping notes that I wanted to mention. Matt Rule said uh, they're going to have a better idea Wednesday on Christian McCaffrey. He's missed the last two games now with a hamstring strain. He said he'll know better Wednesday, and he's hopeful he'll play this week. I think that's going to be big, especially for Sam Darnold. He also said that left tackle Cam Irving was scheduled to return Wednesday. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other thing was, as the Panthers did release Rodney Smith from the practice squad, I thought that was weird. And when Matt Rule was asked about it, I don't know his exact quote, but he just said, we were basically he just said we released him because he got asked about it, but I, I don't know if something happened after the game or I don't know. I feel like there is more to that because it seemed like Matt Rule when McCaffrey went down, he brought up Rodney Smith a lot and bringing him up from the practice squad to fill in, and he played he played some in both those games. And for them just to release him like I, like that was just kind of weird to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking. I too I, much I think it's um if, if you know if I had to look into it, I think that they. No, Christian McCaffrey is coming back this week, and they did not need Rodney Smith anymore. Simple as that. And like today, they signed an offensive lineman to the practice squad, so they needed the space on practice squad for offensive line. They knew they needed that. Um, they know Christian McCaffrey's coming back. They just didn't need Rodney Smith anymore, and he was gone. And that could be it. That's that's a valid point. Well, let's go to this game this weekend. It's another one, you know, where you would. Two weeks ago, you'd think they'd win this one. It's Minnesota Vikings coming to town, one o'clock kickoff. 
let's just talk about the Vikings. I know we don't have a you know a Minnesota Vikings podcaster on tonight, but what do you see from then, Bryson? What do you think of the matchup? Yeah, so um, Stephen Weatherly revenge game for him to, <laughs> to come to Carolina. Um, not worried about that at all. So, uh, but yeah, you know this team. They have a decent defense. Their two starting corners are Patrick Peterson and Bashad uh, Bashad Breland, which we know he was almost a Carolina Panther and failed his physical. Um, their secondary struggles. They have a good safety in Harrison Smith. Um, good good linebackers uh, in in a in a decent defensive line, but it's definitely not the best defense I've played. Um, the offense should be able to move the ball. Um, they're sec- like I said, their secondary struggles. Um, Sam Darnold should be able to move the ball. Um, the offense is what scares me. If if uh, if I'm the Panthers, um, Kirk Cousins gets a lot of flack, but you know he's he's very consistent. You know, seems like every week he's putting up 300 yards and a couple of touchdowns. They have very good receivers and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and. Um, KJ Osborne, I think is his name, uh, the rookie that they have. Uh, and then obviously if Dalvin Cook plays, that's going to be another thing to worry about. And even Alexander Madison, their backup is, is solid. Um, I think the Panthers defensive line could, could have a field day. The Vikings struggle on the offensive line, just like the Carolina Panthers do not as bad, not as bad as the Carolina Panthers do, but Vikings do have a weakness there. So, um, I think overall it's, it's going to be another close, good game. Um, if I were to pick one positional cap, one positional place where I think that the Panthers um, are overmatched, that you know the Vikings might take advantage of. Uh, you know, I, I it, it's stupid. It, it's very obvious. Um, the defensive line versus the offensive line. Uh, the Vikings defensive line is uh, probably going to have a good day against this offensive line unless they make some um, serious changes. Um, I think the wide receivers for the Vikings could have a good day just because they are so good. I know how good the Panthers secondary is, but Justin Jefferson is an elite wide receiver. Adam Thielen is an elite wide receiver. And, um, you know, sometimes they they can just get open. So um, I'll wait to get my prediction at the end and uh, hear what you have to say, but, but yeah, that's that's just kind of how I see it right now. Yeah, I I'm gonna always say this no matter what this entire year because it's clear that this offensive line is dog shit. Every defense that Carolina plays, I'm worried about. I don't care if it's no one, no one's out there. I'm still fucking worried. That's that's just the reality <laughs> of it. So the ghosts of Sam Donald's past will get them. <laughs> I, I think I think they have pieces on the D line. Daniel Hunter, the guy's got six sacks this year, nine QB hits, tied for fourth in the league. Daniel, I mean, get it right. Daniel Hunter, whatever. I'm not a Vikings fan. I don't give a shit about this guy. <laughs> um, Sheldon Richardson. I mean, I know he's probably past his time, but he's decent. He he's someone to not you know you can't pass. Everson Griffin's still on the line. He might not be the starter, but he's a rotational guy. Dalvin Tomlinson is legit, a legit defensive tackle. Um, they're so. linebackers. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barf, they're good, dude. Yeah, Those they guys are. guys are good players. And I real, I love Harrison Smith. I've liked that guy since he's been in the league. He is just – he is someone I want on my football team. And Patrick Peterson, I mean, he's 
he's a, still a good corner. Breland's, you know, he's he's still got some good play left him. I think what helps Carolina is they played him last year. I know it's you know a whole different team for Carolina for the most part, um, but you know they played Delvin, they played Kirk, they played Justin Jefferson, they played. It looks like last year. Adam Thielen didn't play if if I'm looking at this right. Yeah, that, that's right. I remember that from last from last. Uh, but they year. had Diggs last year, right? They no, that Diggs wasn't on the team last year. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, so I'm a year. No, they went against Justin Jefferson again. Now Adam Thielen's going to be playing. They might not have Delvin. You yeah. mentioned it. Um, you know, Ma- Madison has been he's been pretty damn good. He had. Where did I write this? He had 153 scrimmage yards last game. I think he had 100 and some rushing yards the game before. So even if Dalvin's out, you know, they still have a threat at running back. Um, Kirk Cousins is playing well right now, 10 touchdowns, two interceptions. So that's what they're going to have to watch out for. I think it's going to be a test for the defensive line. You know, they've uh, the Vikings have only allowed nine sacks this season. That's tied for the ninth fewest. So, Again, if anyone's up for the challenge, I think it's the defense. I'm not worried about the defense. I think they can hold their own yeah, against absolutely. the Vikings. I think what's going to come down to is how well does the Vikings defense play against Carolina's offense going to be the deciding factor in the game. Um, it was a 28-27 game. We all know it from last year. You know, Jeremy Chin had, what, two touchdowns in that game, I think it yep. was. Yeah. Yep. And Teddy Bridgewater played his worst game against his former team. So Carolina, I think, has a shot again. They're both different teams from last year, but Minnesota struggled in the fourth quarter in this this entire year. Mm-hmm. They had they had a chance to tie the Browns. They missed a field goal in Arizona. They kicked a game or they kicked a game time field goal and then fumbled in overtime versus Cincy. So. That's something to watch out for is a fourth quarter Vikings. No yep. fourth quarter Vikings versus the third quarter Panthers. That is going to decide this game. How does Minnesota do in the fourth quarter and how does Carolina do in the third quarter? Um, yeah. But- and this is a team that just barely beat the lions on the last second field goal. So, um, and they are two and three, they lost. To but the again, Brown. they could be five and zero oh right now. It really could be. They, they almost yeah. beat Arizona yeah. and they You're almost, right. They 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 did they had a chance at tying the Browns so like a few things they, bounced they their did. way they could be yeah. a better you know I don't know and and they did smack Seattle so that's kind of concerning they beat them thirty to seventeen so um, Kirk Cousins went for three hundred and twenty three yards Madison had one hundred and twelve yards rushing and Jefferson had one hundred and eighteen yards receiving so this is an offense that can go but you know the Seattle defense obviously doesn't compare to the Panthers defense but. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, what what's the uh, opening line? Are the Panthers favorite? Uh, oh, I actually think this is a pick'em. Yeah, I thought I saw a pick'em. Then I saw someone that said, uh, "Let me look." One point. Yeah, it looks like the Vikings um, are getting one and a half points, so the Panthers are favored by one and a half. Um, so the Panthers have to win by two or more mm-hmm. um, for them to to get the get the win betting wise and um you know one thing they have in favor is vikings rush defense isn't very good so if this is a game christian mccaffrey comes back they're 22 in the league on run defense they've allowed 130 yards per game so that could be a shining 
you know, a crack for, I mean, a crack in the Vikings defense that Carolina maybe can take advantage of this weekend, but let's yep. go, let's go to our picks. What do you got in this one? What do you got in eight and one? <laughs> uh, well, I think people can tell my whole entire tone and attitude throughout the episode today. I'm not confident in this team as as I was last week. I know it's just one week and I'm, you know, I'm feeling like this, but it's two weeks in a row that we've seen this offensive line become such a liability that it leads to bad quarterback play. It leads to the defense being on the field too much. And it leads to the defense giving up plays at the end of the game to lose. Um, I do not think Carolina wins this game. I think that the Vikings score enough on offense to, to, to beat the Panthers. I don't know if the Panthers offense is going to be able to score as many points or more points to win the game um, than the Vikings offense will. And it's sad because the Panthers have a top five defense, in my opinion, uh, and statistics wise, uh, they have a top five defense. But when your defense is on the field for two, three times longer than your offense is, you know, something gives. And um, I think at some point, Sam Franklin's going to get exposed again. He's not good and shouldn't be starting. Um, but, you know, Carolina has to do what they have to do there. Um, I, I could see Dalvin Cook having a good day. I mean, we saw what Ezekiel Elliott did a couple weeks ago. Um, if Dalvin Cook plays, I think that might be an issue for Carolina. Um, I think I see the Vikings winning by three, you know, whatever it may be, 21-18, um, whatever it may be. Uh, but – uh, I you know I'll call it 24-21. 24-21, I think the Vikings win unless they unless the Panthers do something different with this offensive line. Um, and I'm just not confident. I'm just not confident in it, man. Yeah, I'm going with a more optimistic approach. Matt Rule said this week this will be a telltale game for the Panthers. I I don't know his exact words, but it was along those lines. This is a big game for them. Can they bounce back? And, you know, come out on top this weekend. And I think there's a few things that play into it. It's going to all start up front. I, as boring as it, it sounds, said the same thing last week. The offensive line's got to protect. Sam Darnold needs time. If they can limit the sacks, I'm sure they're going to give up a few. But if they can limit them, I think they have a shot in this game. Again, it's going to be third quarter Panthers versus fourth quarter Vikings. Which one shows up on Sunday is going to decide this game. I think Carolina can bounce back. If McCaffrey's back, which it sounds like he's going to be, and he's going to be a full go, I think Carolina can add just one out based off their defense. Their defense is way better than they were last year when they played the Vikings. And I think you're not going to get this fourth quarter comeback like you did last year with Kirk Cousins. I don't see that happening. I think the defense, Matt, Matt Rule, little fire under them this week with his comments, and they played well already. So they're going to be coming in hungry too. I think Carolina could win this game. I think it's going to be close. You stole my score. I think Carolina, I'm going to flip it. Carolina wins 24-21 in a real close one. But I think they can win this game. I have hope. 
I'm being optimistic. Yeah, we, we've traded roles. We traded the roles, optimism man. is coming back from last year. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm usually the optimistic one, and you're usually the uh, Debbie Downer. And um, we've yeah, traded I'm, trying, and... I'm trying to build some hope in this fan base. <laughs> if you listen to some of the shit that's going on on Twitter, it's a dark world out there. It is, man. But yeah, I'm excited. We're both going to the game on Sunday. It should be a fun one. Yes, don't sir. be getting to any fights. <laughs> no promises. No promises. I don't I don't handle uh, jackass opposing fans very well. So. Oh boy. Uh, no promises. Well, I'll buckle up. We'll we'll keep you all posted for next week on what happens. But let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I do not have anything today. Uh, I did too much pity drinking this weekend after the loss and just uh, just need to take a break from uh, drinking some alcohol. And uh, I may have to do it this weekend again because of the game and, you know, how my prediction went. So that happens. I'm going to be pity drinking again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just saving for that. Um, but I'll pass it to you. I know you have something. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm sticking on this. Uh... This wine bandwagon I'm on right now, I'm drinking, it's called Dixie Red. It's from Woodmill Winery. And I don't know. Oh, is it Val? Am I seeing that right? Vale, Val, North Carolina? I think it's never heard of it. Vale. Vale, North Carolina. This is nestled in the shadows of the Appalachian Mountains. Natural beauty, tranquility, and charm. So this is a Dixie Red North Carolina table wine, 11% alcohol. It's really good. It's sweet. I thought it was a muscadine, but I don't, it isn't. It's, it's, I don't see anything on there that says that, but I'm not a wine expert, but it's really good. I mean, you can see how red it is that you can clearly tell it's sweet. Yeah. It's not, um, it's not one of those strong kind of feet smelling red wines <laughs> no this stuff smooth man it's 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 good it is and muscadine sometimes can get thick i don't know i feel like muscadine can get thick sometimes this is a it's a pretty good wine so give this one a try again it's woodmill winery dixie red out there in vale north carolina well, we just want to thank everyone this evening for joining us on Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 